Forty chat with poops and two Games at home and away Story stats and history About football in Australia Alright, welcome to the Kick to Kick podcast We're backwards and coming forwards uh, My name is Tim, Charlie is currently in Europe So we have a guest star today Welcome to the show Murph Yeah, Big Red, Murph in the house here Thanks TG for uh, having me on It's good Old to talk to the show Yeah, old friend of the mm, show That's right Long time um, listener. Yep, long time. Uh, you've been a bit of a collaborator with us as well. You are a stalwart of suburban football, I think we'd say as well, wouldn't we? <laughs> yes, I guess you'd say, as uh, many um, old old football hacks would say about themselves. Tim, yes, yeah, long time in the game. Uh, and, uh, lots and still, of. Uh, and still trying to, yes. You keep kicking around in the right. super, super rules now, is it? In the, yeah, Masters, Masters football in Victoria, yeah, playing Masters football. Um, you know, and, and other super fools like me still running around thinking they can do it. And um, <laughs> super the, benefit of, the benefit of that, Tim, is that they give us two weeks between games, which, um, you know, allows the body to recuperate, uh, <laughs> being that we're not the, the jumping jacks we once were. Love it. Love it. All right. Um, well, we're going to get stuck into round 16. Um, a few things Let's before we start, Murph. Um, firstly, Charlie, I'm just going to, I'm testing Charlie to make sure he's listening. So, at the end of this episode, Charlie, you need to tell me how many scoragamis there were this week. Um, now, first thing I want to get to, Murph, before we get into the games, was Hall of Fame was announced last week. We have some new members. We have Michael Aish, Jimmy Bartell, Corey Enright, Tom LaHaye, Bruce McAvaney, Sam Mitchell, and Mark Choco-Williams, all in the Hall of Fame, all deserving. Yeah, absolutely. Quite a... Uh... A, a random bunch of, of uh, football uh, people there. Um, you know, obviously players from more modern days. And then Choco Williams, obviously from his playing days, coaching days, and now he's his assistant roles and things. But yeah, yeah, it's quite a uh, all deserving members. Yeah. And Bruce McAvaney, what a great, great uh, decision there. And I mean, I, I'm surprised that wasn't done any earlier, to be fair, because he's been commentating football and sport in general for such a long time and is an icon of. Yeah, you know, horse racing of, uh, of you know, and, and and football commentary over the last thirty odd years to yeah. to have waited to twenty twenty three Hall of Fame year to call Bruce McAvaney's name seems probably a bit late for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so we had a bit of a state of origin round this this round, Murph. Uh, we had New South Wales taking on and defeating Victoria, so it was the Giants and the Swans defeated the Cats and the and the Demons, so hundred and one to ninety nine was a pretty close game there. We had Queensland 176 defeating Victoria B, Collingwood and Richmond 173, another really close game there. We had West Coast defeated by Victoria, so St Kilda and the Bulldogs 187 beat West Coast and Fremantle 150. And we had South Australia, Adelaide and Port Adelaide defeating Victoria 216 to 146, Essendon North. Oh. Just a fun little thing we did. Um, now... <laughs> Now we've got three players who have all have kicked goals in every single round this season. We've uh, we've just kicked out Ben King, so we've got Oscar Allen, Charlie Kerno, and Aaron Norton who have kicked goals in every single round this year. Charlie Kerno, you said, yeah. Oh, Aaron Norton and uh, Oscar Oscar Allen for West Coast. Oscar Allen, yeah, yeah, three, yeah, three really consistent forwards in the game. Um, yeah. That's an awesome stat. I love that. That's a great that's stat. Nice. Uh, let's get let's get to the first game. First game, Tim, was uh, the Brisbane Lions versus the Richmond Tigers. It was. Um, and another loss here for the bye team. So Richmond coming off the bye and losing. Um, mm. But we had what, what we call a scoragami, Ryan. That is where um, – so the score 134 to 53 has never happened in the history of AFL-VFL before. Is that correct? That's correct. It's, so it's called – we call that a scoragami. It is a fascinating stat. Of yeah. all the thousands of games that have been played across the hundred odd, hundred and fifty odd years of AFL VFL football, VFA football, never have those two scores occurred in a game. Uh, VFA, I'm not sure, but in the VFL AFL, yeah. oh yes, never, yeah, never yeah. has occurred. Mm. Um, Love that. All, that is fantastic. Yeah, and we also have Charlie Cameron kicking his 250th goal for Brisbane. Uh, joining mm. the likes of Jonathan Brown, Daniel Bradshaw, Alistair Lynch, Jason Ackermanis, and Roger Merritt. Wow, well, like that's a great little uh, collection of people he's joined. Yeah, yeah, and, and a great little player. So, I wonder how many uh, I would uh, like to know, Tim, how many goals that is for his career. Then, 
Well, yeah, he kicked a few in few for the Crows, didn't he? Few for the Crows too, because he was quite a, a dominant forward for the Crows for a couple of years before he crossed over to Brisbane. So, uh, I would think a couple hundred goals there as well. Um, so possibly, possibly uh, approaching four fifty to five hundred would be my guess. Yeah, it's, uh, well, our, um, I could tell you really quickly. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, he, the stats man will do the stats things. Yeah, he, he's on three hundred and thirty-six goals career. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, look, I think obviously, you know, where he's at in his career now, he's probably got a few good years still to go. Will he make five hundred and and leave himself as a, a legend in the game, possibly? But as a small forward, you know, he kicks his two goals a game across another few seasons, perhaps not. But <laughs> uh, a great small, a great small forward nonetheless. There we go. All right, let's move on. Um, yeah, to the next game, Tim. Yep. Oh, well, that's the Sydney Swans and uh, the Geelong Cats. And uh, what an interesting game that was on Friday night. It, oh, was, uh, it was a hard watch. Uh, it, was a hard, it was a hard watch. It wasn't a great spectacle by any means. Uh, no, I must it... admit, I found myself clicking between the football on that night and, and a bit of the uh, the second test between the, the Poms and the Aussies for a little bit. Mm. But, so um, this game was... No, it was built... This game was billed as the 40th anniversary of Friday Night Footy because the Cats and the Swans played uh, on the first Friday back in 1983, the first Friday night game in Sydney. Um, but that was round 19 August on August 5th that year. In that game, the Cats won by 66. Best for the Cats were Brian Peake, Neville Bruns and Malcolm Reed. And for the Swans, it was Mark Browning and Greg Smith. So that's how far back we're going. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so like... um, uh, yeah. Yeah, so look at the game. The game itself, to me, if you have any other stats there, shout them out. But um, oh, I will. The game itself was really, yeah, it wasn't a, a free flowing affair. It was a few highlights for me. I really liked that McLean from from the Swans. I, I McLean from the Swans. I, I see, you know, a, a big future for a big forward. You know, he, he seems to play better too. I find when Buddy Franklin's out of the team, I you think know, when he's got it. a bit more space. Yeah, yeah. The the Swans and, and that Friday night's game, unfortunately, wasn't. Uh, they weren't able to get that free-flowing play against the Cats like they might normally. But um, with Buddy out of the way, I actually think they're quite an exciting team. And I, I actually, you know, linked them in a similar sort of, um, you know, group of, of teams with sort of the Collingwood, sort of the way Collingwood played, the way Port Adelaide play. I, I linked to the way the Swans tend yeah, to okay. play, but yeah. they, they didn't. They weren't able to sort of put that together on Friday night. Yeah, it's a bit of a step back season for them. Um, they had 17 shots on goal that didn't even register on Friday night between the two teams. The equal 11th most for any AFL VFL match since records were taken in 2002. So those those balls have either gone out of bounds on the full or haven't made the distance. Yep, 17. Wow, it's ridiculous. 17. For, yeah. Is it is it a collection of between both teams? Yeah. Holy moly. Yeah. That is um, an unfortunate stat in this day's football. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so obviously the game ended in a draw. First mm. time these two teams have drawn in the AFL-VFL, um, which means we have now had all the eight original teams have drawn against each other. It's only taken since 1897. <laughs> that is fascinating. So yeah. of all the, the foundation, you know, it's, it's said to be sort of the foundation teams, each one of those teams now, as of that Friday night game, have each drawn a game throughout history with, with one of the other seven. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yep. Um, also, another fun fact about draws, um, this is the 12th, 12th draw that's happened in round 16, which is the second most of any round. Round one and five are also equal. The leading round yep. for draws is round two. There's been 14 draws in round twos. I wonder why that is. There seems, so, seems to be so much more in round two. I don't kind of seem to put a uh, yeah. quite put in a reason to why that might be the case. The uh, the last team to go from a 100-plus win to a draw the next week was Essendon in 1995 when they beat the Crows by 122 and then drew with Richmond. Um, and finally, it's the sixth time that the previous year's grand finalists have drawn a match, but the last time that happened was 1957 between Melbourne and Collingwood. Yes, yeah, but but also doing what many premiership teams do the following season, not 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 all the time. I guess no, I guess that's uh, reasonable to suggest that uh, the premiership team of one year, the following year, are finding it hard to maintain that same level of uh, consistency as form and form. So yeah. I, I don't think they'll make the eight this year at all. Ooh, I think um, there's there's probably both, both three teams, teams below them. Say it again. Both teams won't make the eight. 
Oh, look, I, I think the, I think the Geelong are gone. I definitely think Geelong will not make the eight. I think there's too many teams that are pressing the, particularly with the draw now, getting those only those two points. Yeah, I just think there's too many teams. Sort of, you know, I, I honestly think Fremantle, you know, nearly deserve to make it. They've had a rough sort of couple of. Uh, weeks this week included, but uh, I also think the Swans deserve a place too if they can sneak eight spot. They're, they're you know, I'm not sure Essendon, Tim. I know you'll hate to hear it, but I'm not sure Essendon are quite good enough to hold that eighth spot for much longer, mate. I'm okay with that. I've uh, I don't know if you've, you've heard, but I'm I don't want us to make finals this year. I'll, I can talk more about that later. Well, sure thing, it's all part of the master plan. <laughs> the Brad Scott plan, is that right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that I secretly made with myself. <laughs> yeah, right. For the next game? Yep. Uh, Adelaide Crows and North Melbourne. All right. So North are now winless at Adelaide Oval after 11 attempts. Never won there. Yeah. Uh, we've got Tex Walker with three goals. We, he, he now leads the Coleman as well. He's, one, he's on 46 goals, one ahead of Charlie Kerno. Um, mm. And look, I haven't got a heap about this game, but uh, there's also talk of Matty Nix being coach of the year or like in contention for coach of the year. He's, he's doing all right. Yeah, look, I don't mind Adelaide. The the turnaround they've had the last couple of years, obviously, after that um, that training camp, you know, the, the, the yeah the, the, the camp sort of related issue a couple of years ago to to have a couple of seasons of really poor football, to then have a similar you know list, but a few youngsters who are really starting to flourish this season. Uh, and they're able to put it together. And I guess the benefit of having those youngsters who are starting to press, you know, a bit more uh, and are able to maintain that level each week, week after week, but then having your mature players like the Taylor Walkers, who himself was also pretty poor the last couple of seasons, has had a, you know, going back to his old form of five years ago, which is really yeah. great for him, but great for the, that Adelaide side at the moment too. Um, against, obviously, a North Melbourne side who are struggling, yeah. um, be that with their coach, their playing playing crew and whatnot. but. Well, look, I don't mind North Melbourne. I think there's 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 some bones there. I think to work with when, when Clarkson and, and Ratton can sort of be together to you know get that side to sort of galvanise. I think that there's there's a bit more there than perhaps what you know what some people might think. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, to the next game. Yep. Western Bulldogs, Tim versus the Fremantle Dockers. Yeah, again, I didn't see much of this game at all. I think it was a bit to and fro for most of the game, and then the doggies ended up winning. Um, I know Jamara Eugle Hagen had a good game, kicked four, and I know uh, Nat Fife mm. was on the bench, and kind of his season seems done. Perhaps his yeah. career. Yes, and I, again, I heard heard um, uh, on a radio station today had you know they spent probably half an hour of the segment talking about Nat Fife and and his career and where it lies and and his value for that Fremantle side. Um, you know, over the next you know, a few games of this season, but then into next season too, which he's still contracted for. So um I think, you know, very interesting what you know, him as an individual and the club decide to do. But yeah, I don't know if he's obviously his best days behind him and, and I just don't know if he has enough value for them as a small to medium forward. And is he taking up a like a spot on the list for a young kid who needs to be blooded? Is it like a bit like well, Buddy Franklin? Yeah, perhaps so. Yeah, because I just don't think he offers, you know, that's that target to them in the air or and all that spark on the ground um, that that a forward needs to provide. Um, you know, he's obviously got that presence and commands a sort of good defender, um, but is that enough to free up space for you know the other other Fremantle forwards? And I just don't think it's working for him at the moment. So, yeah. um, something for him to think about. But I do like the Bulldogs. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly think the Bulldogs are, you know, a great outfit. You know, that uh, Ugal Hagen, you know, what a, yeah, absolute gun. He's going to yeah. dominate the league now for 10, 10 years. He's yeah, a he's, he's new you know, buddy. He's still he's still in a slightly built frame, but making mature bodies look silly. Once <laughs> yeah. he really solidifies that frame and the strength of, of his body and understands, you know, a bit more body positioning, you know, in that forward space, he's going to just tear games apart. Yeah. And I'm I'm impressed with his second efforts and his follow up. It's not just like trying to mark; it's the chasing and the tackling and the pressure. Oh, he's fast. Yeah. He's fast and agile. He's really good to watch. He, he, um, you know, before he came along, Norton was great to watch, and and um, you know, he was flying all over the place. And now he's being sort of you know defended a lot more heavily. And 
now Ugal Hagen's able to just sort of you know take that lead role and, and I guess hopefully it'll free Norton up and he'll be able to as it has like you said he's kicked a goal in every game um, yeah you know I think they're they're a really fun side to watch the Bulldogs yep and there could be a threat coming uh, September yeah yes yeah if they can all maintain you know that that sort of high level that they're, they're currently producing which is which is good and the next game Tim. Yep, is it's gonna be a tough one to talk about, isn't it? But the Gold Coast <laughs> Suns and and Collingwood. Yeah, what a, what a terrible it, game. It, it, it was ugly. very disappointing. Um, I tell you what, it was though. It was another score of Garmy. Never has there been a score of one hundred and twenty to forty-two. Is that right? Yeah, that's. It, it, I do like that stat. I find that fast. <laughs> I like that um, score of Garmy. I want to hear more of those. Okay, great. Um, so it was nice to see that pre-game. Darren Mullane's nephews ran out with Collingwood. So. One with the number 42 on his back, which hasn't been worn by a Collingwood player since he passed away in 91. So that was a very nice little touch. Yes, yeah, I like that. It's cool. Um, and the only other thing I've got about this game was it was the first game all season that Collingwood hasn't made a comeback. In every single game, <laughs> they, they, <laughs> in every other single game this year, they've been trailing, albeit like it might have been one point or one goal, but every single game has been a comeback for them. This was the first that was not a comeback. Well, how good is that for them to have a, just a run-ahead sort of win and able to touch up their skills and run around the witches' hats like they would do at uh, I mean, their training facility their, there? In this, boring in, for their fans who have come to learn and love, you know, this, these last quarter comebacks. <laughs> well, also good for those that maybe have uh, high blood pressure, Tim, and can have a, have a week without uh, having to see their doctors. But um, good to see yeah. Jamie Elliott kicking goals. I really like um, what he what he provides up forward for yeah. him. Um, you know, five straights a good return for a small, you know, medium sized forward. I think, yeah. um, re- really like, you know, what what he what he does for them up forward. Um, yeah. but I, I, the disappointing thing, you know, moving off to the moving on to the Suns, I, I just don't see where it, you know at the moment they're one game out of the eight, Tim. And yeah, I know. Every, to, every to time, side, to, every time there's a chance, beaten by eighty points, it's crazy. Every time there's a chance um, they can make the eight, there's like no, oh no, we can't win that game. Oh my god! So, look, they're still, you know, sitting only a game, a game and a half. No, yeah, look, they're a game outside of the eight. And um, to 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 for a side that's pushing at the boundary of the final eight to put up a produce an effort that like that on the weekend yeah. is pretty disappointing. And if you were, you know, a, a fan of the Suns, or even you know someone in the inner sanctum, you'd look at, looking at those players just asking, what's what's going on? And there's so much hype around this match as well. Yeah. And look, they were at everything, you know, they had on their home deck up north, you know, uh, a pretty strong side in from, from the, you know, for the Suns as well, with a lot of their veterans still running around, which is great. Um, but just, yeah, uh, unbelievable. Very, yeah. very poor. Hard to watch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to the next, yep. Sorry. To so the next game. Yep. So, uh, so the next, the, <laughs> The next game is your game. Yeah. Your game, Tim. So for this time, we had Essendon and we had Essendon taking on Port Adelaide. And what a game it was, Tim, for a yes. neutral spectator. Yeah. What a game it was. But I'll let I you was, go. I was there. I was there. It was wet. It was it was windy. It was cold. Um, and also the first time Essendon has played Port at the MCG since 1998. Round 15, what? 1998. So- so where have Essendon had their home games if they play Port Adelaide in Melbourne or is it Marvel? Marvel Stadium, yeah. So to put yeah. that in some context, the best players for Essendon that day were Joe Mercedi and David Kelthorpe. Shea Cockatoo Collins kicked three goals while Warren Treadray kicked four for the power. Oh, I used to love Warren Treadray. He used to love that bloke. Um, yeah, yeah, well. Look, heart, heartbreaking well, loss. To be honest, we shouldn't have been. We were, we were nine, what was it, 17 points down with... Not long to go. Mm. We got ourselves back into the game and got ourselves in front. And then mm. in the end, of you know, a freak kick out of defense was was somehow marked by the best kick they have in the in the side and was able to kick a goal from 55 meters out in the wet after the siren. After that, that Dan Houston, I, he, what, he must be only 22 years old or so. He's a young, young bloke. I'm not sure quite sure how old he is, but for, for a young bloke to take on, you know, that kick and there was 20 seconds to go at the time or, or, or 16 seconds to go at the time when he marked that ball. Yeah. He, he could have, he could have passed that inboard or, or there was enough time to have kicked that to the top of the square. Like any uh, situation yep. would have happened in the past, but as a young kid marking it on the 50 meter line, thinking to himself, nah, 
I'm going back and I'm going to absolutely kick this. Um, The thing I found interesting though, Tim, is um, when he did kick it, how, and just, and we can also reflect back to to how the umpires treated uh, Patrick Dangerfield on on, uh, Thursday night, but when I was at Friday night, sorry, but uh, when Houston was running into goal, he wasn't, because it was after the siren, so he can't deviate off his line. Yeah, but when he was running in, the, he was running in like a slippery snake, you know, <laughs> slithering through the desert. Yeah. And so I just, I wonder, you know, um, a bit about that. Obviously, the game's gone and done now, and and Port Adelaide have gone on to win by a couple of points. But you know, slippery snake down as he's running towards a goal, and I thought, geez, he's come off his line twice. And if you yeah. look at the replay, Tim, he goes off his line to the left, and he goes off his line to the right. However. Yeah. The kick was an absolute gem, uh, and the Essendon players, the footage of them all on the line trying to scurry it, trying to spoil the ball at, at, at that last moment, and for it to be a foot over the line yeah. was just heartbreaking for a Bombers fan, but absolute yeah. jubilation for a Port Adelaide fan or a neutral yeah. supporter. So, And there weren't many um, there. No, and God Almighty, it was a sh- crappy old night for football, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, that second <laughs> but that half also, sweeping rain. Yeah, but as a, as a football purist, you know, we don't get enough of that anymore. There used, that used to be football was a bit more like that, you know. Um, now we've got our closed-off stadiums and, and sort of con- more controlled conditions. You know, uh, we don't see that kind of football a lot. But this this round has, has provided, you know, two or three games where we've just had some wet weather, scrappy football and, and some really brilliant skill and, and toughness has come from it. And I, I love that um, Caldwell, is, it's his name, isn't it, from Essendon? Yeah, Joe Caldwell. What a... Um, what an absolute gun that that bloke's going to be. Yeah. Um, to you know, he he was really able to produce some some really clean ball, particularly in the last quarter and a half, uh, that nearly you know helped you win. However, yeah. you know, it didn't in the, in the yeah. end. Yeah. Um, all all beat a tremendous kick, but like and like I was saying on that Dan Houston kick, um, and and reflecting on to what Patrick Dangerfield was doing on Friday night, Dangerfield would would step off the line by you know, 30 centimetres and they were calling play on. They would do that to him three or four times. Um, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> Win number 12 in a row for Adelaide, put Adelaide as well. Which quite is awesome for them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, quite a streak. And they are a great team to watch. You know, mm. um, Zach Butters and Connor Rosie and um, are just – and, and Mar- Marshall, I really like Marshall up forward too. He – and I think he'll, he'll be similar to when – when Franklin retires for McLean at Sydney, will yeah. be the same when Charlie Dixon's out of the way for Marshall in Port Adelaide's forward line. I yeah. think Charlie Dixon still offers a lot and he's, you know, absolute bull. But, um, yeah. you know, Marshall's going to be an absolute gun. But through the middle middle of the ground, and you've still got the likes of Travis Boak, Ollie Wine still, you know, who are guns in their own <laughs> right. And then yeah. you've got these other young fellas in Rosie and Butters who are yeah. unstoppable. It's just, a, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next game, Tim. Yes. Now we've got the Hawthorne Hawks <laughs> and yeah. uh, the Mighty Blues, Carlton. Yeah. Um, in the in they did, did they did a bit of a celebration of David Parkin for this game as well. Um, mm. Obviously, a, a coach at both teams, a champion at Haw- player at Hawthorne, and then coach Carlton to a few flags. So, took some time yeah. to celebrate him. There's also, I think they uh, they generally award a David Parkin medal after this game, but I cannot find the results of who. Oh, who won that? We often find in this show, Murph, that uh, these awards that are handed out are, are very willy-nilly. <laughs> and not um, annually, you mean, just occasionally this yep. pop up and happen when yep. someone, someone remembers to bring it out of the trophy cabinet. Exactly. Yeah, right. I, um, well, that's great for David Park, and he was a, you know, um, a legend was a legend of the game, and uh, but look, I didn't see a lot of this game, Tim. I didn't see a lot of the highlights either. Um, wasn't something I was drawn to as a neutral fan. Um, had a pretty ordinary time, one ten at the MCG on a on a yeah. Sunday afternoon. But um, yeah. yeah, look, two sides that you know, um, I just aren't playing overly exciting football at the moment. Obviously, Carlton's had a big win today. Um, but they're not not playing and, and you know have some you know good things going for them and Charlie Kerno's you know goal kicking streak like you mentioned. Um but just not really you know uh commanding you know my attention as a as a no. neutral fan. I think that'd be the same of, of thousands of others out there. This unless you're a, a diehard and blues or hawks fan, um they're both 
yeah, just sort of a bit, uh, I don't want to say subpar, but I think I want to say subpar, Tim. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and the Hawks were pretty subpar. The first game since, so this is the first time since round five, 2004, that the Blues have held their opponent goalless. Um, that was the Eagles back in 2004 at Princess Park. That's how far back we're going. Um, and the Hawks have now been held goalless in four of their last five quarters. Um, first time to achieve that since West Coast in 1989. Holy moly. Yeah. I'm just I'm just looking to the game a little bit further here, Tim, but they haven't scored a goal until the third quarter. Yeah, six minutes um, in. As, oh, ten minutes in. Uh, as an AFL, as a side, they're paying players hundreds of thousand dollars a year to uh, hone their craft yeah. to be kept goalless in a game of football is a, is a tremendous feat. Considering, think, they, um, considering they didn't score a goal in the last quarter or the second quarter against Gold Coast the week before as well. That is fascinatingly poor. Yeah. They obviously miss, they miss James Sicily massively. Massively, yeah, but and yeah, yes, but and, and you know, obviously, Luke Bruce is is you know doing his best to get his hands on the ball, but as a small forward, you know, when you're knocking the ball down there, like I'd like to know, uh, I haven't got the stat with me, but I'd like to know how many inside fifties were in that sort of first half, you know, and how many. Obviously, they've scored, they've had eight scoring shots in those those behinds, yeah. but um. Or five scoring shots, rather. Um, but inside 50s, you know, how many opportunities are they getting? Yeah, looks rough old game of football, Tim. Rough yeah. old game of football. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the uh, next game I'm... also is a, look, look. Well, sorry, you go. Yeah, no, you're right. The next game was also a rough old game of football. The next game was also a rough old game of football between uh, Melbourne and uh, GWS. And um, as a Demons fan, Tim, it was a rough afternoon in front of the TV. It was it was another it was a scoregami though. Never before has a forty seven to forty five game happened. Is that three of those this round, Tim? It is, yeah. We don't want to tell Charlie the answer, but um <laughs> hopefully he's still listening. Um yeah. another obviously there's a storm blowing through the Northern Territory there, so they've um cops cops some rain up north and uh that, that was sort of indicative of the conditions that the, the players played through today from the, the Demons and GWS game. So yeah, it was um ball the ground exhausted. a lot. And it was just, yeah, it was just a scrappy old game. But yeah. um, I tell you, Jack Viney, if uh, you happen to see any of that game, Jack Viney is just that he, he goes to another level in those sort of contested con- conditions like that. He was, you know, and that that's I know coming from a, a Demons fan myself, that sounds a bit sort of um, one-eyed or one-sided to sort of <laughs> provide an insight into one player and it be a Demons player. But he was just. He was a class above all the yeah. all the GWS players too. He was just, um, I think he had something like twenty five contested possessions or twenty four sure. contested possessions, and uh, out of like a thirty five sort of possession game. So, if you think about the conditions being slippery, wet, and hard to handle, and still having thirty mid thirty touches, he's just had a dominant game. But to have three quarters of those touches to being contested is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, we have Callum Ward, who has now joined three other players in playing AFL-VFL games at 20 different venues. Yeah, I heard that stat as well today, and I think that's a, crazy, isn't it? It is. Isn't it? Um, and I looked at the map and showed the map of the places he played in and we'll played at, and there are some you know, uh, some remote destinations he's been to across his time. Yeah. Um, we also had the small, second smallest v, uh, AFL crowd ever, so since the AFL era. 3,413. Mm. The, the lowest ever was Brisbane and Footscray in 1992, 3,049 people. Oh, my goodness. Giants, <laughs> the Giants' third win in a row and also the lowest winning score a team has kicked this season. Why well, is that right? Yeah, okay. Um, and, and the final yeah, state I've got for you is that the Giants yeah. have now won games in all states and territories of Australia in their history. As short as it might be, yeah, but, but but some of the foundation clubs have never done that because like Collingwood have never played in Tasmania, so they haven't done that. Oh, that's actually um. Now I'll sit back in my chair and uh, appreciate that a bit more, Tim. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, on the on the crowd there today, it was it was a really um, it was a app a suburban football sort of crowd there. It must um, it must be said. But you know, to you know, defend the. 
the supporters that are up there. I think the last year's game was absolutely. It was like a it was a nice balmy night when they played there last year. I, I can't recall who they played now, but um, the the stadium was sort of swelling with spectators. So obviously conditions, you know, and there's. It's not an overly built-up stadium either, Tim. So no. not a lot of protection for people. So if you were taking your family there, you you probably would have stayed home that day because it really not a lot of um, chance to get out of the elements there. So yeah, low crowd, uh, low scoring game, and like yeah. you said, the lowest uh, lowest score for the Giants as a as a winning uh, a winning score, wasn't it? Yeah. All right, now final game, uh, Tim of the round, now, the West Coast Eagles and Saint Kilda. Oh, and what an interesting game this was. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been hard to watch as a spectator if you were a Saints fan. <laughs> oh, it it was very typical of St Kilda, wasn't it? Like, yeah. Having having a look at Twitter, especially with um, with the Saints so far, oh, was it twenty five points down at half time? They're like, oh my god, this is mm. exactly what we come to. This is what we expected. <laughs> we knew this was going to happen. Doom saying, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, you would have been. Um, as a as a Saints fan, thinking, geez, we've come all this way to now lose to the side <laughs> that just lo- lost the game last week by over a hundred points. Yeah, you know, here we are. You know, about to lose to that side, and it would have been all over the papers. Could you imagine the news? You know, um, if that was to happen, but they've they've managed to scrounge, you know, albeit a small win, but scrounge together a uh, an eight point win, which is you know, pro- which they you know probably didn't deserve. <laughs> no, no. So, um. Just before I go into the game, Callum Wilkie was playing his 100th straight game since his debut, which is a pretty good achievement. The record for mm. games from debut is 194, belonging to Jared Crouch from the City Swans. Mm. All right, so West Coast won the first quarter. First quarter West Coast have won since the third term in round nine. It's the first time West Coast have been leading at the end of the quarter. Sorry, first time that... West Coast have been leading at quarter time since round eight against Richmond, I think, ending a run of 27 straight quarters where West Coast hadn't led at an interval. Um, just the third first quarter they'd won all, all season and the fans gave them a standing ovation because of that at quarter time. <laughs> oh, my God. Little Bronx uh, standing ovation, you know. Hopefully the West Coast Eagles players put still had a smile on their faces and didn't take themselves too seriously in that moment. Mm. Just you know, took took as a small win that it was, and that they're you know that they should be thankful that their fans haven't t- totally left them in the first yeah. place, shouldn't they? Um, have um, you in, in yeah. your days as a suburban footballer have you have you lost in games by like 170 points, 200 points? Have you played in those games? No, not that not by that much. It's sort of uh, I guess the way modern football is it's pretty hard for that to happen these days unless you really and all and also with the divisions they have in place in a lot of suburban leagues now it's it's relatively rare still it happens i think in a lot of country football competition in the country because in the country you haven't got the the uh luxury of having you know divisions and things to separate some of the stronger from the weaker teams but no my biggest sort of losses have been a hundred sort of point 120 point range and one of them tim i think you came and uh watched uh um, lost the grand we lost the grand final <laughs> and um so that was a, a tough old game in uh 2016 uh for the mighty uh bentley demons was that 120 um, points in the end Oh, it was 115 or 16, I think. Yeah, so it was a it was a rough old day out at Springvale. Um, yeah, yeah. So look, I feel look. I guess for the West Coast Eagles players, you know, I guess for them it's it's a tad different. They're all on really big contracts and are you know uh, supported not only on on but off the field to to improve and to you know get through what, what's obviously a tough time for their club and. Uh, hopefully they're you know mature enough to to be growing and learning from from the experiences of this season and yeah. and we see a, a, a difference in them in 2024 um, because you know I know you know poor Adam Simpson over there copping a fair bit of heat but it, it doesn't just lie to the coach the coach like of the course. coach you know sets up ga- game plans and 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 you know establishes sort of training programs and routines and things with his coaching staff but. The players are out there. They're the ones handballing and kicking the thing around. So, um, you know, to say they're not trying, I don't think you could say that. I just think it's, yeah, you know, possibly a bit of desire and desperation and, and a lack of skill and the three just to, 
the, those three are just slightly de- more deficient than the teams they're playing. Mm. Um, now, yeah. one thing a lot of people are throwing around, you're a good man to ask this, is like comparing West Coast to Fitzroy. And you're mm. an old Fitzroy supporter, so I just wonder what you thought about that. Yeah, my dad would be a good person to have on this question too, Tim, because he he was a passionate Fitzroy man from when he was born in the, in the 1950s and saw Fitzroy through some of those stronger years, you know, in through the, the 80s when we're still, you know, dominating some games in the 80s and things. And then for him, when when Fitzroy, you know, perished uh, at the end of 95. Um, 96. 96, yeah. I was thinking 96 too in my head. But um, was... Yeah, for someone like my old man, um, devastating at the time. You know, I was maybe uh, 12 or 14 years old. So, you know, had that sort of strong connection like all kids do with their football sides. But yeah, look, I, I see some similarities, but I think the, the league's a lot different than, than now than it was then. Like, yeah, in 96, where there was a bit of expansion already going on with Adelaide and um, Brisbane and West Coast and things. So expansion was starting to take place. And Ross Oakley was the... Yeah. The boss man of the the league at the time, and um, many many people say and it's in a few of the Fitzroy books that you and I have both read, Tim. That you know, Ross Oakley had a you know secret agenda and was was always sort of uh, pushing uh, for Fitzroy to be out of the comp so that he could create more space and and, and develop you know the league in in the way he he felt it needed to be grown, mm. uh, and was was going to do so no matter. What you know, with, with no no real regard to the history of the Fitzroy Football Club and the uh, the 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 you know the team, the support staff, the fans themselves, and, and like I said, that sort of really deep ingrained history of of Fitzroy, which you know we're talking about foundation clubs before Fitzroy is one of those. Um, yeah. So to have given up on a foundation team. And merge them with another startup team, albeit Brisbane have been around for a while. Um, I think for many Fitzroy people, myself included, was pretty. It was a bit rich, yeah. yeah. It was a bit. It was a bit rich. And look, the connection to the, the Eagles, you know, they're playing some poor footy. I don't think, you know, uh, I think in the modern day, you're not you're not going to see any teams disintegrate like you did back in the in the nineties. I think there's too there's too much. Um, you know, too many contracts at stake in terms yeah. of TV rights and deals that, yeah. you know, around sponsorship and stuff to see any yeah. teams collapse these days. But no, and that's the, the major difference, I think, is the off field stuff because West Coast have got a lot, very large supporter base and a lot of money, which is one thing mm. Fitzroy didn't have was money. Yes. Yeah. But in the same sort of breath, you can, you know, you see the league obviously had money to, uh, maybe not so much in the mid '90s, but definitely into the early thousands when they started expanding and, and the Fremantles and the um, yeah you know, the Port Adelaides in the in the '90s sort of started coming through. So there was obviously money there um, yeah. to to support teams like Fitzroy because otherwise you wouldn't have had you know those Port Adelaide Port Adelaide expansions and the um, you know the Fremantle expansions sort of you know simmering away because they were obviously they would have been you know. Um, in the drafting phase in that, that sort of same period of time as when Fitzroy yeah. was dying. So yeah. um, I think it's a real, it's a real, I guess travesty is the right word, but it, it for a, a league to give up on a foundation, you know, a team that was in the founding years of the league to, that had such a, maybe not a large supporter base, but certainly a, uh, a, a connected, a you know, really um, strongly rooted emotional connection to to their to their team. Yeah, look, it's um, it's still even you know a bit raw today, and it's been you know yeah. twenty five you know, <laughs> odd years. But um, yeah, I think you should get old Kez, old Kerry Murphy onto the uh, <laughs> onto the podcast one day, Tim, and you'll hear him talk for hours about this. Let me tell you. <laughs> All right, so the finishing off um, round 16, we, we do what's called the Coles goal. So that's which team has kicked the most goals. So for the round, we've got the Crows leading. They kicked 21 goals for this round. For the season, we've got a new leader. Um, hmm. Brisbane and Adelaide have both kicked 214 goals for the season, but in that case, we'd go to separate them on points. So Brisbane have 185 points compared to Adelaide's 172. So Brisbane are leading the highest score of the season so far. Wow, it's a lot of goals, isn't it? It is. 
Um, when and then you read that, Tim. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, you go. No, I was just going to say when you read that out, I was just th- thinking of the days, and, and Adelaide's twenty-one goals is quite a large amount to score in a game, isn't it? These yeah. days, like it's a it's a lot of goals. Um, thinking of the heydays on the, some the of the mid nineties. That's what I was thinking of the nineties when they're kicking thirty goals, thirty-five yeah. goals in a game, yeah. and you know there's some some blokes in the in the goals where he's kicked fifteen of those, which is yeah. you know. Anyway, sorry, I, I interrupted. That's a, that's yeah, a I was say, coming through. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I yeah, I get that. I'm just looking at the ladder. We've got Collingwood and Port on top pretty clearly. Brisbane mm. in third, pretty locked in now in third. But then Melbourne, St Kilda, the Doggies battling it out for that last spot in the top four. You've got the Bombers, the Cats, the Giants and sneaking up as well. The Giants, the Dockers, the Suns, all kind of sneaking up for those last few spots. So it's going to be an interesting end to the mm. season. Yeah, look, it certainly will, but Looking at the list of teams there now, Tim, and I'm not sure how, how you feel to this too, but I only I think only three of those teams can win because, and oh, yeah. and that that's obviously the top three currently, and even yeah. even of those, there's the standout two, the Collingwood and Port Adelaide, are at the moment on form alone, are playing football that greatly exceeds the rest. Oh, absolutely, because I, I uh, they are just playing sublime team football yep. and that I don't think any of the rest of the league will match at all. No, I, and I agree. And I, I almost, you know, I don't think the way Melbourne are playing, I don't know if they deserve to be fourth. Yeah. I don't think St Kilda deserve to be fifth. No. You know, there's, there's a lot going on in the way the teams are playing that um, needs to change over the next few weeks, Tim. Yeah. Needs to change. And that's, that's one of the reasons I don't want the Bombers to make finals because I don't want to scrape into seventh or eighth just for another finals loss. I prefer to have a few more honourable losses, keep learning the game plan, then aim for top four next year when we're more realistically going to be able to win something. Yes. Oh, look, and Essendon are a similar sort of, um, you know, to that sort of Sydney ilk and that sort of Port Adelaide style of young players coming through, like Caldwell, like we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, he's going he's gonna to tear games apart. And I think Essendon have a, a good enough young list around, you know, Wright and um, Draper and, um, you know, McGrath and, and Perkins and a few of you, you got some really, really good players. And I think you'll free up some space, um, you know, uh, Stringer won't last too much longer and you'll be able to, you know, draft someone, you know, like the young kids will get another mature age sort of the, to, to, you know, give that bull-like sort of um, yep. attack on the ball. I think Essendon are going to be, for, for which is, you know, be good for a supporter and yourself to hear because it's been a lot of years of not a lot going on. Um, that you kind of you kind of there just about yeah, almost. That's why I, I think one more year. Yeah, yeah. So watch it. Watch this space. Twenty twenty four. Watch <laughs> this space. The bombers yeah. are coming. Yeah, but just don't hype us up too much. Um, all right, no, let's look no, ahead to coming. round. Let's look, look ahead to round seventeen. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's. Uh, in uh, Thursday night, we've got Richmond and Sydney on Thursday. MCG game on Thursday. There you go. MCG on a Thursday. Uh, I reckon Sydney wins that. We're doing our tips too, Tim. No, we should. Oh, you can do um, tips. We don't usually Friday know. night. No, <laughs> Friday night we got the Bulldogs and Collingwood. That'd be one of the games that are around that one. Collingwood would. win that by 15, 20 points, I'd say. Play, playing for the Robert Rose Cup. Um, and also best on ground gets the Bob Rose, Charlie Sutton medal for the best on ground. Mm, yeah, right. Uh, Saturday night or Saturday daytime, rather, we've got two games. We've got Brisbane playing West Coast uh, up at uh, the Gabba. And then we've got the Giants playing Hawthorne yep. uh, up in uh, up in, the, up in Giant, Sydney as Giant well. Giant Stadium, yeah. Giant Stadium, <laughs> and then um, I'm trying to think if they had some really fun abbreviated name uh, for the Giant Stadium, but it's just simply yeah. Giant Stadium. Yeah. Uh, into Saturday night, we've got St Kilda Melbourne. Oh, yeah. good game that will um, be, Tim. These, these, I, I found out today. These two teams used to play for something called the Nick Schernakow Cup between '94 and '98. Mm. Um, the winning team yes. got that. Um, so this guy Nick was a marketing executive at Tui's which sponsored both sides at the time. He died in a helicopter accident two years before they started doing this. So the trophy was um, handed out for best team. And there was also the Tony Waddle trophy for best on ground named after another victim in the same crash. Right. Yeah. Not since the 90s, though, uh, but yeah. I was going to say, um, wonder what happens to those 
Why would we honour that for those short years, but not continue honouring it, honouring it? There's so many of them, mate. We we go through it every week. All the all these cups <laughs> that teams play for. Yes. Okay. Uh, Saturday night also we'll see Port Adelaide playing uh, Gold Coast, going for win number thirteen. Yeah, which they will get. Yeah. Uh, comfortably. Uh, playing at their home ground there in Adelaide. Uh, we move to Sunday. We have Geelong playing North Melbourne. These two teams used to play we for have... the Murdoch Cup. Yes, and then what was the Murdoch Cup, Tim? Do you have some information uh, there for yeah, us? Yeah, it was uh, Keith Murdoch, who I think is father of the Murdoch. Rupert, Rupert that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he started the cup between these two teams in the 40s, and they played for that for a few, I think, two decades. Yeah. Another cup there filling some trophy cabinet somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Collecting dusk. Yeah. Some poor person's polishing that once a year. Yeah. Um, we then have uh the bombers playing the Adelaide Crows, Tim. Um at Marvel Stadium. So uh I think I said win that. The Greg Anderson uh, and then Fre- The Greg Anderson Cup. Well, I was I wouldn't if I was in charge, that's what I would I would make it the Greg Anderson oh. Cup. Okay, yeah, right. Okay, after after Greg Anderson, for who did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm, a lot of miles running through the Bombers' side. <clears throat> uh, and then the final game rounding out, round 17, will be between the Fremantle Dockers and Carlton. It'd be, it'd be good to see if Carlton's actually legit and if they're actually playing good or they just, they've just been playing some good teams. Yeah, so we're over there playing at the stadium, so Fremantle's home game, but... Um, yeah, look, a chance for you know both sides really to uh, could be for Carlton to get a uh, female sorry to sneak into the eight, uh, and Carlton to continue pushing for that eighth spot if they're looking for it. So, um, yeah. you know, they might maybe they've given up Tim and looking for draft picks now. Who knows? Maybe not. They need them. <laughs> no, nice. they don't. They really don't. Nice. Their list is quite full. Yeah, they just can't play football together, Tim. No. Um, that's something else I actually didn't mention was the Bulldogs, the Power, and the Blues all won games coming off the bye. The only three teams to do it this year. Mm. Every other team. What's your thoughts on the bye, Tim? Have you, have you and Charlie spoken about the bye much? We What's have. your thoughts on the sure. bye? Mm-hmm. It, well, it's the good thing about the bye is it gives us more football, more weeks of football. Um, but four weeks was too long. Is it the first year they've done that that way? Yeah. It's always been three have. weeks, isn't? Is it not? Yeah. yeah. Because it's been I'm sure it's been three weeks the previous couple of years, um, but yeah, four year four weeks um, is quite extensive, isn't it? Um, yeah, obviously football needs to be played each week again for the sponsorship and, and TV rights uh, deals that are in place for the AFL. Yeah. So uh, we can't have a week without football. No. Um, but yeah, I think I think two weeks would would be enough. You know, split split the. Split the games in half, play five yeah. one week, four another week. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be a good time to – You know how they talk about having the showdown as like a centrepiece? Do that. Do, play the showdown in one of those weekends so it's got clear airtime and everyone in the country can enjoy it. Mm, yeah, someone is saying the same thing about, you know, doing the, the rivalry games, you know, doing the – That might have been us uh, last week. Yeah, it might have been you last week I was listening to possibly. Doing the, the Essendon Carlton's, doing the – you know, the Fremantle West Coast, doing Adelaide, Port Adelaide's and, well, the one uh, I Sydney heard, and GWS. The one, yeah, I heard one from a different podcast um, and that was saying, mm. have the first weekend like all the interstate rivalries and the other one do like an old school VFL rivalry and, and theme it that way. Yeah, yep. Mm. Yeah, it could be, you know, someone in the, in the AFL marketing department who gets paid significant amounts more than us, Tim, uh, to come up with these ideas. But um, if you could somehow coin that or email it through to them, yeah. Um, Let's get it off the ground. <laughs> nice. Well, Murph, that brings us to the end of uh, the episode. The way we Ooh. usually end each episode is um, we have a song of the week. So what's your favourite football song? My favourite football song? Uh, my favourite football song. It's hard. It's a hard one. Uh, up there, Gazali's first one comes to mind. But I don't want to – that seems like a really simple pick, doesn't it? So um, my favourite football song. Oh, probably the Essendon theme song, Tim. See the bombers fly up, up. Very catchy tune. Yeah, I'm not going to play that for you. Do you want me to play the old Fitzroy one? Oh, geez, that would be nice. I'll play, I'll, that I'll would play be the nice, actually. Yeah, nice. a lot of nostalgia in that. Yeah, excellent. Oh my goodness me. Nice. Well, um, 
Charlie, you got to make sure you answer the the uh, your question. How many scorigamis were there this week? Um, you need to message it to me uh, to prove you've been listening. Otherwise, Murph, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, what a pleasure it's been, Tim. I've really enjoyed this. Coming back into the Yilk and uh, joining you to talk some football here for the last half an hour or so has been great fun. That's been good to have you. Good to have some different insight. Cheers, mate. Hopefully some decent perspectives. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Kick to Kick podcast present Backward in Coming Forward. You can find all our old episodes wherever you get your good podcasts. If you want to get in contact with us, our email address is kicktokickpodcast at gmail.com. On social media, we have Twitter at kicktokickpod or on Facebook. Or you can find us on Instagram at backwards and coming forward. For a full list of our resources and things we use to inform our show, head to kicktokickpodcast.com. You'll also find some interesting things in all our old episodes. Once again, thank you for listening.